0: You are listening to the In Perspective weekly podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole.
1: Hi everybody, welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco and this is episode 280. And the date of this program is Friday, October 22nd, 2022. First of all, let me introduce my friend, my colleague and my co-host, Peter Alchil. Peter, is it really 82 in Missouri today? Wow. Yeah. 82
2: degrees and 3 days ago was 22. So, you know, How welcome. does that happen? How does that happen in your state? I have no idea. It's Missouri, you know. What what can I say? But, I mean, we we know. have wild uh,
1: variations of temperature, but not that extreme. Well, you know, what can I say? I know, right? All right, so before we continue, let me offer some thanks and some shout outs. We start out with Raymond Gay, who produces In Perspective. Thank you for helping to make it a quality show, Ray. Also, let me thank Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline. They post our shows up on greeting door number 15. Thank you for doing that. I also wanna give a shout out to Jacqueline Sylvia, who is our web designer. She archives our programs on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. Thank you for doing that, Jackie. And I want to thank our media outlets for airing our show when they do to help gain more listeners. And finally, I want to give a shout out to a loyal listener, and that would be Lillian Johnson. Thank you very much. In fact, Lillian, from what I gather, she sometimes comes in. To our podcasts and listens to us. Thank you for doing that, Lillian. Today we're here with Rebecca Bridges, and today she's going to talk about a topic which has become more of a trend, I believe, in society. I believe it's been around for a long time, but I think lately more and more children are being homeschooled for whatever reason. I've said on many occasions that if I had a child, he or she would be homeschooled, and I have a lot of reasons for saying that. But I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. Rebecca, welcome to the program today.
0: Thank you, Bob and Peter. Thank you for having me.
2: So, Rebecca, before we get started on your homeschool part of your life, can you sort of talk about what happened, uh, sort of who you are, and sort of what how things were how things were pre homeschool days. Of course. So. Uh
0: let's see where to begin. So, I am uh, congenitally blind. I was born uh, premature, prematurely, um, and so I've never seen. And that's not overly important, except there are some aspects of that that I think uh, are important as you're thinking about you know, teaching your kids certain skills. Um, and I uh, was raised in the Midwest. I came out to, I moved to the the Washington D.C. area right after college. After having some internships out here, Uh, I interned with the American Council of the Blind in college. I also did an internship with a senator from my state, um, among a couple other things. And I fell in love with the area. And I happened to meet the man who's now my husband out here. So that helps. Um, and we settled out here. And uh, since uh, that time, I uh, pursued a master's degree. I've been working full time since moving out here uh, right after college. And uh, I've got two two boys. They are eight years old and almost three. And so, pre homeschooling, I again I, I work full time. So you know, busy keeping a house and all, you know, working full time and doing all the things and with dealing with kids and all that. And uh, so around, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, my son was in, you know, I had one child uh, you know, for the first five years, and then the second one came along. And so in that time, my son, because I worked, he went to a daycare. And then when he was old enough, we moved to preschool and then we started in kindergarten, and uh, then the pandemic happened.
2: before we uh, uh, we go any further, can you give us a general sense of what your current job is and what it what it entails, what your title is, and you know the kind of things you do?
0: Oh, of course, thank you. So yes, I am uh, I am a practice manager for TPG Interactive, and we are a uh, a Company one of the Vespero brand companies, so we're under the Vespero brand, and TPG Interactive is really a, a full service, full solutions accessibility consulting firm. So we assist uh, a variety of different clients from all sectors and industries uh, with their digital accessibility needs. So my role there, I have about uh, almost twenty. Uh, accessibility engineers, so IT-minded folks that uh, I manage, and I support, support them in their day-to-day activities, and I support a pretty large chunk of our uh, services business, our consulting, our expert services business, so and I've been up. there about five years.
1: Thank you. So, Rebecca, first of all, we're at October 21st, 2022. I believe I said October 22nd, but that's neither here nor there. Could you tell us what evolved in your life to begin providing homeschooling, at least to your oldest? Of and course. what is and what is the basis of homeschooling? What is that like?
0: Okay. Well, thank you. So essentially, um the the determining factor, what really kind of tipped the scale. So we'd had during kindergarten, um, you know, our child attended a public school. It was our, you know, quote unquote, neighborhood school, uh, meaning that that's where as based on our address, where we were zoned to send our child. So he, um, he attended kindergarten there and was in a class of a little over 20 kids, maybe 22, 23. Um, and, It uh, and as we kind of moved along in the school year, there were a couple things we noticed uh, that were a little bit troubling to us. Uh, Primarily, one of them primarily related to uh, communicating with his teachers and reviewing some of his assignments. Uh, There was an app that the school was using that Eric and I, as blind parents, were struggling to access. And so we'd mentioned this to the school uh, kind of in passing um and really didn't make a huge deal of it until the pandemic hit and then they closed school and at first it was you know just a couple weeks we'll send them home with some packets which of course were paper <laughs> so uh Uh, Ira to the rescue at that point. Um, We, you know, we had to get some help with those and, you know, try having someone interpret paper with, you know, as you're trying to sit down with your five-year-old and keep his attention. Yeah, not so much. Uh, So then it became, oh, well, we're going to keep at this for the rest of the school year. And then they sent home other packets of information that they wanted you to go over with your kids. And they, um, there were paper packets you could pick up, but there were also these PDF files and you open up the PDF file and it's an image of a Google doc document, not helpful. Um, so we were like, okay, forget it. We're just going to kind of do our own thing for the next few months. They're not testing the kids or anything. So we'll just go with it. So as the you know school year ended, then it became clear that they were not going to open um, the schools in the fall, and we had then we at the time once they started sending home all that inaccessible stuff, we really started you know going up the proper chain of command. So we went to our prince, you know, we went to our teacher who referred us to some people. Then our we went to our principal who referred us, and just on and on until we finally got up to the director of teaching and learning. Um, in, in our district. So the, the very highest place we could go, minus the superintendent. And uh, they refused to talk to us. They refused to meet with us. They refused to engage with us in any way. Why? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess they, <laughs> that's a great question. Well, we, how much time do we have? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they're they very busy. I mean, they're trying to plan for a something they've never done before, right? A virtual school year. That's coming so i in that respect i understand but they 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 did not do what they were supposed to do and it became clear to me that really we weren't going to get anywhere and i just thought oh my gosh how am i going to you know what are are we going to do so you know we worked with an attorney and got a letter written and sent that off and then at that point finally there was some engagement uh some, you know, some light attempt to engage us. Long story short, um, in that time, as we were going through that process, you know, and it be, it was apparent to us that school was not going to open, you know, I started to worry, one, like, school's going to take, I'm going to have to sit, and they're going to be out, the kids are going to be on, what's it going to look like? Are they going to be on Microsoft Teams all day for five hours with a bunch of six-year-olds? Like, <laughs> who knows, right? And I have a full-time job, and a, and a baby at home uh, at the time. So, how are we going to do this? Well, a couple people that I happened to talk to said, you know, um, have you ever considered homeschooling? There was a lady at my church in particular who kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, have you have you considered this? And I said, well, no, uh, I had not. What, is, what does that look like? And she said, uh, well, You know, I've, home. you know, they were pre-pandemic homeschoolers. And and in today's day and age, you you can kind of differentiate between the two, right? Because homeschooling has doubled since the start of the pandemic. Um, And she said, well, your son's going to be what, first grade? She said, well, I guarantee you, all you need is an hour to an hour and a half a day. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? And she says, no, that's all you need. And so how is it like, you know, so what is homeschooling like? So, so, yeah, I mean, that really started us on our journey. Uh, and I decided, you know, after the district finally met with us, and uh, and we you know, we had ACB involved and and the attorney involved, and we sat down with them, and they were they were woefully unprepared, and we felt like it was in our best interest, uh, and really, we didn't want this process to be a detriment and a hindrance to our son. Um, or a nuisance for us, so we decided. You know what? We we're not going to deal with it. Maybe maybe someday later we'll get you know come back and fight this fight. But right now, we're done. So I I pulled him out the day after the meeting, and that was that. Um, and we've been we've been homeschooling ever since.
2: Before you, before you go any further, Rebecca, I I I am really surprised about how how uh, whatever the right word is you want to use that the school district you're involved with was towards you. I mean it just you know there uh, that that part of the world is supposed to be one of the most you know uh uh what am i supposed to say inclusive shall we say school district? I mean that's the reputation you guys have from what i've heard and obviously it's not. At least mm, in yeah. your your experience do you have do you have any sense as to what i mean you said any other thoughts as to what caused them to be as they were? It just, well, it just makes no sense to me. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge inconvenience.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think first of all, accessibility is something that a lot of people don't understand. It's an afterthought, they don't think about it, they just and it's you know, to to some people's credit, they just it's ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, and I think with all the just with everything happening and you know, they they were kind of bound by what they bought. Right. So they, mm-hmm. they can't go back and get new technology right away just because somebody you know jumps up and down and says it doesn't work. Now that uh, I'm not trying to give them an ex- make an excuse, but you know, I, I do think that has has a little bit to do with it. And and I would also argue that a lot of it's not uncommon. I mean, and I don't want to go in a different direction here, but you know, these schools have, you know, stayed closed and there's so much learning loss now. Um, and, you know, the very children that they claim to care about, they've ruined their education. So yeah, I would so. argue that there's a lot more going on than just, it's not just my kids or me as a blind parent.
2: No, I think that's exactly right. I, I think, I, you know, that's what that's what the, that's what the research shows, that uh, it really has at least delayed a lot of the kids' education and, and you know, m- maybe short-circuited it, whatever word you want to use. All right, so we won't go down that road any further. Uh, So let's, um, so, so you decide to homeschool your kids. What happens next?
0: Oh boy, lots of research. Um, You know, so you have to, every, every state has um, specific requirements for homeschooling. So the first thing you need to do is know what is required in your state so I, you know, went to the, you know, Virginia Home Educators Association or whatever. I mean, you Google homeschooling in Virginia and boom, you know, thank goodness. I mean, what would we do without the internet? Uh, yep. Absolutely <laughs> so, so I, I Googled, you know, I doing research, I figure out what's required. You know, some states, for example, require that you submit, um, you know, proof of progress or some sort of thing every year. Some require that you submit grades or lists of subjects, you know, different things. Every state has different requirements. Um, Virginias aren't too arduous, so that's that's helpful. Um, so that's the first thing I did. And then that's when I wrote my letter to the district and, you know, pulled him out and did what I needed to do. The next step is, okay, what am I going to teach the kid and how am I going to do it? <laughs> Um and so I just I talked to as many people as I could I joined all these homeschooling Facebook groups and just researched and researched and researched. Um there are some helpful resources um out there uh, like Kathy Duffy reviews where you know, is this lady that has does reviews of all this different curriculum and and then there are things where you can do little assessments about what's your kids' learning style, you know, stuff like that. So I looked at some of that and um, you know, picked what I thought, you know, we could start with. Um, you know, and I chose a curriculum and I went with it. I mean, you can, you can do anything. You can buy what they call a boxed curriculum where they just, hey, my kids in first grade, they're gonna one company is going to send you a math book, a uh, English book and a science book and a history book and off you go. Or you can say, I want to pick and choose uh, kind of the types of things my kid learns. um, And you can put it together that way, or you can, there are tons of online programs. You know, do you want, do you want online? Do you want textbook? Do you want something kind of a little bit of both? And so I, I just kind of tried a few things to see what would stick and, I think it took, you know, the first curriculum I tried. We did an online program. I didn't, you know, it was help. It was convenient for me, um, but I don't think it was very engaging to my son. And I think he needed. I realized once I pulled him out of public school that he had significant learning gaps, um, particularly in reading and phonics. Uh, They don't teach phonics apparently in (laughs) in my school. Uh, He learned to read with sight words and context clues which uh, really didn't go well for him. And so, we kind of had to start over again and he hated reading. And so, there were some kind of things we had to do some remedial work on uh, to get him to where I felt like he needed to be. So, you know, you try some things until you figure out what works. And it took about, you know, took about a year before I really felt like I knew what I was doing. And, you know, one of the first things I had to do was really change my mindset. You know, you asked what homeschooling looks like earlier. And the first thing I'll tell you is it doesn't look like brick and mortar school and it shouldn't. No, Um, It's, you can get a lot more done in less time. You, I mean, who can beat a one-to-one student teacher ratio, right? I mean, it's perfect. And then there's, you know, there's, you know, anything you can consider a lot of things homeschooling. Like we, my son loves sports. So we played a lot of baseball and we talked about math. You know, how many outs can you get? You know, how many innings in a game? I and mean, all these things are in football. There's touchdowns. There's
1: no, uh, keeping
0: Re- score, all those things.
1: Re- Rebecca, the other thing that you need to regard as well is the child's progression. Now, if you were in regular school, he'd be graded grade one, grade two, mm-hmm. grade three. How does that factor into the homeschooling process where you have to recognize progression in learning?
0: So, what homeschooling, what I've discovered is that uh, grades are kind of arbitrary. They're a helpful way as a parent to know how your child is progressing. If you're not really around to see it. Okay. And, and grades are very important by the way, as kids get older, I'm not, I don't want to discount that, but when you're talking about showing progression, what you're really doing, you know, homeschooling allows you to meet the needs of your child. So let's say, you know, my child is a little more advanced in math um, and maybe a little less advanced in another area, right? So homeschooling allows me to meet those needs and maybe look at things by, you know, by level. So maybe he's a level up in math and a level, you know, at the at grade level or something in, in a different subject. When you're talking about progression, what you're really talking about is what my state, for example, looks for when in their proof of progress requirement at the end of the year is how, how did your child do from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? Did they demonstrate progress in what they were learning no matter what that level is? And so that's that's really what what you're looking at. I mean it becomes more important for grades and transcripts as they get into you know, the high school years and you're looking at college, or if you're looking at maybe sending your child back to school, And you want, and they have to test into certain grade levels, then I think it becomes important. Um, And we still, you know, I still do some um, assessments, but there's not a lot of quote unquote grading going on. It's really about how is he showing progress? And, you know, when we're talking about a concept, how much has he retained it? And can he show me what he's learned? And can he teach it to me? And when he can do that, I know that we're good to move on to the next thing.
2: So let's focus. Uh, just because you you mentioned it, let's focus on sort of the reading part of all this. Because you said he wasn't he wasn't doing especially well when this whole process started. Talk to us about how you sort of you know you, you decided to do different kinds of things. Uh, so what did you do, and how is he doing these days with regards to reading?
0: You know, um, he's he's doing very well. So what we did was. Um, we, we really took a step back and looked at, we started with very basic books. Um, you can get like grade level readers. There's all kinds of resources out there. And so I picked up some, some basic books with some shorter words and I'd have him, you know, read them to me. And if he couldn't pronounce certain things, we did a lot of phonics. So we did a lot of, okay, sound this out if you, if you don't know how to pronounce it, let's take a couple letters at a time and let's do this. Right. I mean, that's how I learned to read. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I went old school on him. That's what I did. Um, And so we started with some basic readers. The other thing that I had him do was I had him do a lot of uh, copy work. So what that does is that allow, that gives him exposure. He doesn't have to, you know, take his own thoughts and put them on paper, but he takes, like I'd take a, A couple sentences in his basic book, you know, um, Nat had a bat and, you know, sat or whatever, you know, stuff like that. He was six. Yeah, sure. Right. And we would, I would say, okay, I want you to write two sentences of that on the whiteboard. That does a few things. That helps him, you know, with memory. That helps him with spelling. That helps him with letter recognition. Frankly, it helps with handwriting. right? Right. So we get to kill all those things with one stone, right? So we we started with a lot of basic phonics activities. And then I also just did a lot of reading to him. I didn't force him to sit and read aloud to me. I sat and we found fun books that interested him. And boy, that took a little bit too, because he did not like to read. So I had to you know, do some research and a lot of trial and error and thank God for audible and Bookshare uh, and a braille display. And uh, those are, I mean, I just read and read and read to him and that made, that made a big difference. And then the other thing we did is we, we originally started out with an online curriculum, like I mentioned, and then I decided to ditch it and uh, do something a little more uh, textbook based and pen to paper. So he'd actually have printed books in front of him that he would need to read from. And I think that also made a big difference. So today I would say he's definitely at um, or above his reading level.
2: So you you talked about having him write stuff out, you know, see Matt hit the bat ball, whatever, or something. And So he's obviously writing this stuff out. You're blind. How can you assess that he, that he's actually writing things out properly?
0: That's a great question. Um, so a couple things that we did. So the first one of the, again, it's all about tools in the toolbox. So we, uh, one of the things I used was IRA. Um, so for, I don't know if folks, i I assume a lot of people know are familiar with IRA, uh, but it's, what, a, what, what,
2: what, yeah, why don't you just give us a, a, a two sentence summary of what IRA is and does. So
0: essentially it's a virtual assistant, uh, a live agent, virtual assistant that, Uh, you can, that can access the camera on your phone and assist you with various tasks. So I would call Ira and we would, you know, say, all right, we're working on some, you know, handwriting here. So let's take a look at it. And, you know, and they would read what he wrote if they couldn't read it or, you know, when he came home, it was like, oh, his nines are backwards and his, you know, he's mixing up B and D, which those are very common uh, mistakes for five-year-olds, right? So You know, so it was a combination of Ira. It was uh, FaceTiming with grandma (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um,
0: and kind of making it fun. Um, It was um, also, he had an app that it was called, I think, writing wizard. And so where you'd have to write letters on the screen and it would, you know, give you points for writing them correctly. So that was another way that I did it just when I didn't have sighted assistance, just to make sure that he was getting that sort of muscle memory going on. Um and so, and now today, when I, you know, he'll catch himself if he messes something up. And oftentimes and I can hear him, you know, erasing and going back and saying, oh, my cue doesn't look right. Or oh man, I don't like writing capital G's, whatever it is, <laughs> you know. And so I get a sense for how he's doing. And then if if I have questions, you know, my kid likes to race through his work so he can play. Right. So it's like he's very mission driven. So I'll say, he'll say, I'm done. And I'll say, okay, Tyler. So if I call grandma, is she going to be able to read what you wrote? And he'll go, sometimes he'll say, uh, no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, so, um, yeah, because one of the things that occurs to me is, you know, writing, uh, is, is tedious work. You know, it's not the kind of, it's not fun, right? It's not, uh, the kind of thing that you do because you enjoy it necessarily. So how do you find that balance between the work that is really important, you know, that writing is important whether it's fun or not. Uh you know, very uh, you know, compared to allowing him the freedom to play or whatever it is he's doing or to how do you make this learning as fun as possible I guess is what I'm trying to ask.
0: Oh sure. So, you know, there are a couple ways to do that. So we, you know, you can, you know, write Using you know, write in Play-Doh. You can write in the sand. You can you know build. You can use magnet letters to spell things. I mean, just there are different ways and kind of hands-on ways that you can make writing fun. The other thing that we do is while he's young, a lot of times it's more of a copywork exercise than actually you know what gets stressful for kids about handwriting. Oftentimes as is that they don't like, because some of it has to do with, you know, write a paragraph about your favorite sport or your favorite activity or your favorite thing to do with your friend or whatever it is. Right. So a lot of times what we do is I'll have him narrate to me and I'll type something. And then all he has to do is write it out on his paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and you do it in short bursts. So a language uh, lesson each day is about 15 minutes. That's all it is. And then (gasps) we're done. So, you know, we keep it short to the point um, and, you know, we, he knows what the routine is. He's very structure oriented. So he likes to get started first thing in the morning so he can be done by 10 AM. And if that's what he wants to do, well, then as long as he does a good job and you know does what he does his work, I'm good with that.
2: So to talk about uh, the accommodations you've You've needed, you're blind, obviously, and you I'm sure there are issues you've had, uh, you know, dealing with the technology or the software or whatever it is you're using. How, how is how blind is to, to, the you could the, ac- the ac- sorry about that? The accommodations that you that, if you will, that how have you uh hacked all this stuff?
0: <laughs> you know, there still is uh advocacy in homeschooling, um. It isn't quite. It hasn't been as painful um, as in when I was in you know public school and preschool, but it does exist. So, uh, what we do is um, when I find a curriculum or a book, you know, that I'd like to purchase, um, I will go to the uh, the publisher's website and I will um, you know find a contact and I'll write to them. And I'll ask for, I'll explain my situation that I'm a blind parent homeschooling sighted children and that I'm going to, you know, these are the products I intend to purchase. Uh, Once I purchase these, uh, could you please provide me with a digital copy? Um, And so that's, you know, it's met with a couple of responses. Sometimes it's a flat out, well, you can, or sometimes it's, it's never been absolutely not. Usually the first one is, well, we sell digital books digital copies that you can print yourself. And I'm like, well, no, that's not what I want. I want the print book for my son, but I don't want to have to pay for it twice. So, um, but essentially, um, or, or they'll send it to you and you'll say, some, some books are more accessible than others. All of them are pretty much in PDF files. That's the most common format. So, um, in terms of accommodations, I'll typically go through the files and, um, you know, take a look and make sure I can read them. And if not, I provide them with some feedback. And I you know they they've I've even seen where they've implemented some of the fixes that I've suggested because a lot of times you like issues with reading order, um, mm, things like, yeah. or um untagged images, graphic graphic, graphic graphic <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> all day long, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 fortunately, my kid's old enough that some of that is less important um as he as he gets older and can work more independently. but, Still nice to know what he's looking at. So, um, so you know, I work with them and I provide them feedback on their text, on their textbooks. And in terms of how I work with him, um, I use I pull the PDF content into Word files predominantly, and then I kind of organize it. I have a whole system. I organize it by week, by lesson, whatever, however, the book is broken down. And then I put them, I have a dropbox, and it's all linked to my phone. And then I can open everything up on my braille display, so that's how we roll.
2: That's terrific. So, uh, two more uh, two more quick questions before we throw it open to the audience. One of the uh, concerns that folks have about homeschooling is um, so sort of the lack of interaction with other kids potentially. Uh, so, how do you how do you address that particular challenge?
0: You know, that's such an interesting question. I think it's something that. Everybody worries about um, when they first start or, you know, if you've got, you know, grandma's worried about the fact that you're homeschooling and is scared that your child will turn out to be a recluse. Um and the reality is that isn't the case. Um, obviously, during the first year of our homeschooling journey, nobody was socializing with anyone. Right. Because right. it was the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that was sort of helpful because then we could sort of get into a groove and figure things out. But now that the world has opened up, it's actually really amazing. And if you think about it, you know, how often in your life, <clears throat> so in school, your kids are around kids that are there their age predominantly, are pretty close. And those are the kids they interact with all day long. But in re- in real life, how often do you work with people who are only your own age? I mean, I have people who report to me that are probably 20 years older than me. Uh, and some uh, who are quite a bit younger than me. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's real life practice, right? So, you know, in terms of, you know, my child, goes with me to things during the day. He observes my meetings. He does, you know, he communicates with adults. He also has a younger brother, so he's great with young children. Um, I do have to be very intentional, though, about finding activities for my son to do with other children. So, for example, um, you know, we we go to church and we're active in our church, and we are very blessed that about 90% of those kids homeschool as well, Um, So that's a huge help. So, you know, we get together once a month on a Monday and do some kind of fun activity. So I carve out time in my work schedule to do that. Um, You know, my son's involved in sports. So tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., we're going to be on a football field. um, And I'm going to be trying to keep my two-year-old from running out with the big kids. (laughs) And uh, he does swimming on Mondays. He has, uh, you know, uh, another activity on Tuesdays. So you just have to be very intentional about finding activities outside of school that your kid can do, and he also has neighbor friends. And so I would I would argue that he's pretty well he's pretty well socialized. Um, but it does it yeah it does take some time though to get into a rhythm and figure figure out all of that. Especially you know one of the differences between me and uh, several homeschooling parents at least before the pandemic were a lot of us you know weren't also working parents. And I think that's another added wrinkle that I have to work with an added bit of complexity. But, you know, there are more of us, more of working parents who are homeschooling now too, which is a real, a real blessing.
2: What, how, uh, uh, sorry. What, one other quick question. Uh, how how does your husband, Eric, fit into all this? What is his role in all of this?
0: He's the principal.
2: Ah, (laughs)
0: you know what? He's, he's great. He, um, he has been. He's a huge champion of what we're doing. He, um, he, he's a big supporter of it. He's involved from a. He helps me kind of think through things. If I'm like, hey, I might want to try this. What do you think? Or how do you think he's, you know, maybe what are some skills you think we should maybe work on with him? Uh, and homeschooling gives you the opportunity to do that. We can cook and call it math. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's great.
1: Sure, sure. It's time to. Allow our participants who are listening currently to In Perspective to ask questions of our guest Rebecca Bridges. So, without further ado, let me turn the festivities over briefly to Raymond Gay, who knows whose hands are raised.
3: Mary Carla Hayes, you are up first. Hey Carla. Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me?
2: We yes, can hear we can.
3: can. I didn't know it's going to be first because I just raised my hand. But um, I would just like to say to Rebecca that um, you have made the right decision. And the reason I can say this with confidence, I've been doing work with homeschooling since 1994. And just to give you a quick background, I'm a foreign language teacher. I have taught in public schools. I teach part-time in the language department at a Christian school. And through my business, I offer language classes for homeschoolers. And sometimes what will happen is a whole consortium of homeschool parents will get together and they they can't, you know, they don't feel qualified to teach foreign languages. And I'm certified in Spanish, French, and German, and I do Latin as well. So I teach Spanish, French, German, and Latin to them. And the reason I want to say to you is that I think you should be very confident that you've made a great decision is I've been teaching for almost 40 years, and as I said, in several different Levels. And um, homeschoolers run circles around even my Christian school students um, because, um, um, for one thing, the homeschoolers are around adults a lot, but they do socialize in extracurricular activities and also homeschool consortium groups. But my homeschoolers um, seem to be much more articulate. And they are, um, if the families do it right, and I do have to, I do have to qualify this and say that if the families really devote their time to it and do it well and make sure that they are um, up to standards, they are much more articulate. They work grade levels uh, above the other students. And let's face it, in the classroom, they don't have 30 other students to quote unquote dork them down. And so you Mm -hmm. don't hear as much as like and, you know, this stuff (laughs) that in in (laughs) conversation you hear and they're they're, they can work ahead of levels when they get into high school they can even take college courses during the day Mm -hmm. they have time to do that online and Mm -hmm. i have students that i have students that even after the pandemic we've continued the online classes because like i teach a i teach a german class and i had a student that had to move out of the state and she was able to continue with the german classes because um you know she was out of state but she could log on to the class and so I just want to I just want to affirm you in your decision and say that I've I've done it in a lot of different ways as a, an educator. And so I've taught in classrooms and I've taught uh, the homeschoolers and they they do very well. And I well, just thank you. Want to thank you. And laud you for everything that you do. Thank,
2: thank you. you. Carla. Thank you. So you uh, your oh. Carla. Carla reminds me of something. Uh, uh, I. uh as many of you know, uh, who are on the show, I'm a musician and I'm uh, involved in a lot of different music stuff. And one of the things I'm involved with is a contemporary music uh, concert every year, where, where we sing contemporary music uh, in my choir. And as part of a concert, there was this um, uh, concert piece for orchestra that this that this composer wrote. And I happened to run into this composer, and I said, "This is a great piece. You know, you know, tell me about yourself." He said, "Well, I'm." 17 years old, I wrote this piece. And I said, gee, 17, that's young to write a piece like that. Uh, You know, what is your education like? He said, I was homeschooled. Mm. And I said, I said, wow, you know, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you respond? You know, he he talked about how, you know, uh, he he had gotten, you know, help composing the piece and learned how to do this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's a lot harder to do that for him. At least he said it was much easier to do that as a homeschool student than as a, uh, you know, in in the public school. And so, and now, last I heard, he was doing very well in college. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's obviously lots of successes doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Carla. Again, You're
3: quite uh, welcome. And you know, another thing that the parents have more control of their education. They don't like what's going on in public school, and this gives them an opportunity. That's
1: one reason why I well, would hold my own children.
2: But it it, it it does require, as 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 Carla said, more responsibility. The parent has to really. Take ownership of this stuff, you know. And uh uh Rebecca certainly has. I mean, it's obvious, Rebecca, that you that you're you've done a lot of stuff to make this work. You can't coast, right? You really have no. to be on it. But it's only you said it's only an hour a day or so, you know. So it's not uh, but you still have to do it.
0: Yeah. It's getting a little more now, but
2: okay, yeah. <laughs> it's but, more but, than an hour. <laughs> but still, but, but still, yeah. yeah. And you know, you, you know, and in your situation, you have to balance a full-time senior level position. With, with homeschooling kids. You know, Rebecca, easy- before we
1: go to our next participant, I just have a quick question. As we all know, there are education laws everywhere. So how do you circumvent, for lack of a better term, or or not circumvent as the case may be, these laws when you devise a homeschooling process? Does that come with a different set of laws?
0: So no, the, the homeschooling requirements are based on whatever requirements your state has. That's what I mean. So every every state has unique requirements. So in Virginia, for example, they don't get to tell you how you teach history, uh, right? And thank goodness for that, right? So they, but they just get to tell you, you know, all we want every year I send a note saying I'm homeschooling my child. This is his name. Um, this is, you know, these are a list of subjects. So it's like math and PE and whatever, what, whatever I want to put in there.
1: And just, just for say, the record,
0: and that's it. And then and you ju- send him a proof of progress at the end of the year, which is basically I just do an online test and he scores very highly and we're good to go and done.
1: Okay. So, just for the record, and just so our listeners understand better, what obviously we all realize that they realize that many of the homeschoolers are not really certified teachers.
0: You do not need to be a certified teacher. And that's the beautiful part of it. And that's... There you go. That is... And that's a good point. That The, the, the beautiful thing... One of the things that I realized not too long into my journey was I, I do not have to be a certified teacher. And the beautiful thing is... Homeschooling today isn't like, you know, 1990 when there was only like a couple of curriculum options available. Now, there's so much out there that's really designed to help the parent be successful and help the parent teach the child. So, there's so many resources out there for homeschooling, you know, for home educators, for home, you know, the parents to really help you be successful in teaching the curriculum to your child.
1: Okay. Ray, who do we have next
2: on the list? At this current time, nobody. you say nobody. Oh, I'm surprised. Okay, so, um, so Rebecca, uh, talk about your plans for the future. Uh, for example, do you think you might send the kids back to school? I mean, what, what are your what are your thoughts about, our, uh, you know, six months from now or a year from now? What do you, what do you, what do you think might happen?
0: Well, uh, if the pandemic has taught me one thing, it's that, uh, you know, you can't plan too far ahead.
2: That's, yeah, <laughs> you no, never know what's coming in know. life, right? That, yeah.
0: um, but at this point, um, I, you know, over the next year-ish, um, so our plan is to continue homeschooling um, until we don't.
4: Mm-hmm. So,
0: and what I mean by that is, you know, my, I intend, you know, Tyler will obviously complete Third, you know, his this year, this school year with me uh, at home and, you know, we'll assess, we'll evaluate periodically and see if it's still a good fit. Um, you know, he seems to to enjoy it. So I don't anticipate that changing, at least in the short term. Now with the little guy, he will be three in December, so probably in about a year Um the plan is for him to come home too. Now, uh, working a forty-plus hour a week job and trying to homeschool a preschooler, which homeschooling preschool isn't hard, but managing a preschooler and a and a nine-year-old that's a different situation. Plus, working, so we'll see how it goes. But the intention is that we're going to continue. I mean, our original reason for homeschooling is not the reason we're doing it today.
2: Say more about that.
0: So you know, we started because. We were presented with barriers and roadblocks. There was like this: oh, it was a causal thing. So this happened. Now that okay, but now as we've gotten into it, um, it has been such a rich and life-giving experience, and it's hard to really describe. It's really it's helped us cultivate better family relationships. Um, we, have we understand, you know, I know how my child learns. I know kind of how he ticks and how to work with it. You know, the good, the bad, and the otherwise, um, it has really, we've grown closer to ourselves. We've grown, you know, each other, we've grown stronger in our faith. I mean, we are, we are Christians. Um, not every homeschooler contrary to popular belief is, you know, is a Christian homeschooler or a faith-based homeschooler. Um, but there are a lot of us, and homeschooling provides us with that opportunity for you know for discipleship and community and those things that we value. So it's allowed us to really strengthen as as a family. and, hey, just, and go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a technical issue. And then, um, and just you know we it's, you know, I've watched. Him, you know, Eric and I have observed him as he's grown, and the way that he has taken on responsibility and ownership of his own education, and just the progress he's made. And I am confident that what's happening in our schools today and the learning loss that children have experienced uh, due to the failures of the system um, are—it's going to be a long road for a lot of kids and. You know he's come out on top of that, and and we're blessed. And I I recognize that it's a privilege. Not everyone has the opportunity or the means to homeschool. So, I'm I'm thankful that that we do.
2: Yeah, it it sounds like uh, this whole experience has sort of empowered you as as parents, right? Yes. Uh, in, in very in very significant ways, and, uh, and and as you said, has strengthened your faith. Uh, and yes. strengthen your connections with with the community and it, with, with the church in particular. It sounds like, but probably other aspects of the community that you would not have been connected with otherwise. That's um, right. That, yeah. No. That's 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 a lot lot to say.
3: I would like uh, to just. Uh,
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. Ray. Ray. No. Uh, go ahead.
3: Deanna, you are up next, and then uh, we have someone on the
2: telephone, which I'll go, out, okay, I'll go awesome. after. Okay. Awesome. Deanna. Deanna.
4: Hi. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. I don't have school-age children right now, but I have raised two generations of children because I had my own, and then I helped my single-parent daughter raise three more kids after moving to Missouri. And uh, the youngest is now twenty-one. So, <laughs> <laughs> what they do now, they're you know, it's kind of like um, uh, it's it's really in their court. But mm-hmm. I think that one of the things I observed about school right from the start with my kids is that when you have one adult to 20, 25, or sometimes even 30 kids, there is a, a a rote quality to learning. Oh yes. And that isn't how for a child who thinks differently or who needs different things. Like when I was working as a Sunday school teacher and doing various other things with kids um, as a 4-H mom and stuff, you have to tailor how you handle the situation to the child and their particular needs because if you don't, they're going to get lost mm-hmm. and they're going to fall further and further behind Um, One of my granddaughters is profoundly dyslexic and dyslexia is not recognized in Missouri where we live. So they don't make any provision for it. So anything we did to help her had to be done outside of school. And her frustration level was such that she barely made it through high school, not because she wasn't bright, but because they weren't flexible enough to deal deal with the child that needed a different modality to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one advantage I can see to homeschooling, because as a parent, you know your children, and you know how they react and how they display when they're confused or upset about something and you can read the child enough to stop and do something else for 5 minutes and come back to it and say okay let's look at this differently let's try this mm-hmm. you know and that's something that a classroom teacher just doesn't have the time to do
0: yeah i mean i think i think you're right i mean for for us too one of the things that we do a lot in our school and our homeschool is really a lot of narration. So it's like, you know, can you describe this to me? If he can describe a concept, he's, he's got it. Or, um, you know, I, one of the other advantages is again, it's like, I, I don't want to teach him what to think. I want to teach him how I want to teach him to, to solve problems, to think critically, to, um, to really look at things, and not just have someone say, "Well, X, you know, up is down, uh, down is up, whatever," and and so it is. There and it's great because you can tailor because you know tailor the lessons to meet the needs of the children. There are a lot of dyslexic homeschoolers, homeschoolers with other disabilities, physical and learning disabilities. Um, you know, a lot of kind of you've got your neurotypical kids, and then the not you know your or mm-hmm. twice a lot of twice gifted.
4: Yeah, Um, or very hyperactive children Mm -hmm. or children that need more stimulation than the curricula offers. Right. Um, There's just so many variables in how a child learns. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I ran into, and I'm sure you did too, when you were starting out with your child in kindergarten is the teachers and the administrators have no clue how to deal with you. So they make assumptions based On faulty information, um, my daughter's teacher called me one day when she was a kindergartner and said, Angeline needs to get Candyland for Christmas because she doesn't know her colors. And I said, she knows her colors very well. What makes you think she doesn't? And she said, well, she was the only child that indicated that there were blue leaves on the autumn trees. (laughs) And I said, well, blue happens to be her favorite color. (laughs) Right. But she does know her colors because from the time she was a toddler, I marked her clothing just as I did mine. And so as she was dressing, I'd say, okay, where is your pink shirt? Yes, that's your pink shirt. Right, right. Those kinds of things. And so she just made an assumption because I was blind that my child had no concept of colors. Right. And also, my child is very sensitive, very bright. She wants to please. So she called me another, another time and said my, that my child needed to go to counseling. And I said, What makes you feel that? And she said, Well, whenever I correct her, she crawls into her desk and refuses to come out. And I said, So? Um, <laughs> I said, How are you correcting oh. her? I have a soft voice. My husband does not raise his voice to the children either. She's not used to being yelled at. You don't have to yell at her to give get her attention. I said, if you want to correct her, if she's forming her A incorrectly or whatever, you can explain, well, this needs to be a capital letter. And this is a little letter. And this is the one I want you to use here. And this is how you make it. And she'll do her darndest to do it that way. Um, but if you say, that's wrong, she's going to panic because she doesn't know what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think,
0: I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really about, you know, tailoring the education to fit, you know, to fit the needs of your child. And, and it also gives you opportunities to challenge them in areas where you think they need challenge. But a lot of kids, you know, they get finished with their school and then the teacher says, okay, you can go play this game on the iPad. And they spend hours and hours on the technology, at least in our schools, Um, and so the kids aren't really, some of the kids that are like, that the school assumes are fine because they're, they're not experiencing the learning loss. They just get lost as well. So,
2: yeah. yeah. Deanna, I, I, Mm -hmm. I, Deanna's story reminds me of a story, a famous family story that I'm going to share and then we'll move on. Thank you, Deanna, for your, for your, for your thoughts. Uh, when I was growing up, probably two or three or four years old, mom, my mom found this sort of game where you matched things based on uh shapes based on, I can't remember what all they were, but it was shapes and colors. Well, of course, my sister, who's a year younger who who, who is fully sighted, saw saw my mom uh teaching me the, these various concepts. So uh, when it came time for my sister to learn color, she was totally unprepared. She just hadn't, you know, she wasn't ready to deal with color at that moment because she hadn't seen me deal with color. So my mom had my mom had to adjust, you know, that's what, that's what parenting is about and what 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 deanna's comment reminds me of is whether we decide to homeschool or not if we're good parents we're still going to have to educate our kids anyway right we're still going to have to do certain things to make sure that our kids are getting what we, what they need to be successful successful as successful as they can be and sometimes that involves sending to a school and more and more now it's it's not and, well, and um, i would yeah i, have, I agree uh, and i we have I'm one sorry. minute and one caller oh no okay, I'm okay.
0: sorry uh, i was just going to say homeschooling is an extension of parenting Exactly. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. ahead, 446, you're up. Uh, If we can't get to you then, now we'll try and get to you after the
2: program. 446.
0: Oh, hi, my name is Hannah. I want to say thank you so much for your presentation. I myself was homeschooled. My mom and I are both visually impaired and she homeschooled me from day one all the way through high school. And that was wonderful for me. We both really use a closed circuit TV for magnification and She taught me Braille, so I'm always glad to hear about people that homeschool and keep up the good work. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for coming.
2: That's great. Hannah, Hannah, if you have kids, do you think you might homeschool them?
0: Yeah, if I do, I'm in my late 30s. But if I have kids, yeah, I would definitely consider homeschooling. sure made a big difference for me.
2: Sure. okay. (laughs) (laughs) And might as well Well, pass on the good fortune. On on that (laughs) note, Bob, I, I I think we are close to the end of the show. Yes,
1: we are. So, Rebecca... Continued success with what you're doing. I'm sure that a lot of other people have the same experiences that you have in homeschooling. So hopefully it will continue that way for many years to come. And I also want to thank our participants for asking you the questions that they did. And of course, Peter and Ray, I want to thank you for helping to make this program quality like always. Next week, we have with us a consumer from. Aventura, Florida. His name is Mike Lance. He's always vocal in the community talking about educating the sighted on what it's like to be blind. We've had numerous discussions on that topic, so that should be very, very interesting. Everybody, please go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a great week.